This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. which hopes to excite your interest in whatever subject we happen to be dealing with every fortnight and then send you scuttling off down the rabbit hole which is of course the internet but also books at our local library. With every broadcast we also listen to two or three pieces of music and you can find the listings for all these links and music and so on on our Facebook page which is aptly called Plainly Plainly Down down Rabbit rabbit hole. Hole. Yeah, Lou's here. Hi, everyone. <laughs> She's only just here, though. Um, you might notice a slight change in our sound quality. I'm sorry about that, but I hope you put up with it. But we're actually in my home because Lou has uh, got a bad back and is currently lounging on my sofa. Yes, it's a comfortable sofa. I do recommend it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You can borrow it, but you're special. Yes, I am. Okay, so today's subject is... Are you lying comfortably? Yes, thank you, I am. Very comfortable. Okay. Coffee in hand. Yes, excellent. So, um, the subject matter uh, this time is mostly conspiracy theories. Just like people to keep in mind that it has links to fake news and alternative healthcare and also even terrorism, but we might get to that a bit later. In other words, this topic is is really quite large, so this broadcast is really just to whet your appetite to just how interesting a subject this is, because I have got a link for you. This is like the quintessential podcast if you're um, keen to delve deeper into the very strange world of conspiracy theories. And the podcast is called Ant Hill. Um, It is basically um, British, where they interview research academics in various fields and and broadcast their latest ideas and information. So it's a great podcast. It could be any subject, though. They've just done a six-part podcast series about conspiracy theories it goes into a lot of depth it's really interesting i do highly highly recommend it all we're going to do lou is just a few highlights really would you Um, like to tell me about the history first to touch on that yeah well yes yes and no um (laughs) because there is so much to it that i can't do it justice at all Uh, there was a whole podcast that this was um, related to, to this aspect. But it's not a but, new thing, is it? No, it's it's been going for ages. And in fact, actually, we're kind of hardwired, if you like, to behave in a manner where we don't always trust 
so yeah, the common example is when we were living out on the plains of Africa and there was a few trees and we saw something move nearby that it became survival of the cleverest because if you interpreted that as being a wild and dangerous animal that might eat you it, it's best to run away you may actually deduce later that it was just the wind rustling a few trees but if you've run away from the wind rustling a few trees no harm is done if you run away from the the beastie that wants to eat you, uh, it probably won't make any difference. And probably you'll probably get eaten anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you might not. You've got better chances. Yeah, you've got a better chance. And um, rather than just standing there and go, I'm sure that's just the wind, and it turns out to be a tiger. So yeah, the ones that run away, it became sort of programmed into us because they survived better than the ones who just dumbly stood there (laughs) yeah there's been conspiracy theories around for a very long time now the history that's dealt with on the podcast is about north america and europe it's not about the rest of the world which actually i thought was a bit of a shame over time conspiracy theories of course have changed the reasons for their use how the conspiracy theory was spread and so forth so, for example, there was a period of time in the Middle Ages, but probably way beyond there as well, where the wisdom for everybody, really, was that God was in charge. Yes. And um, so there were conspiracy theories, however, but the conspiracy theories were, if you like, stories about how to understand what was going on in the world. And when you think, well, there was no newspapers or books or radios and TVs, of course. So news spread very slowly, maybe changed as it went from one person to another. It was probably verbal more than written. Most of the population couldn't read. So God being in charge didn't actually let you off the, you know, it wasn't meant to be, well, that's so everything's cool. Because after all, he might not be very happy with what you've done. So you might end up going to purgatory or hell. So uh, that's what it was like for quite a long time. And then when we saw the beginning of Enlightenment, which then led fairly quickly to uh, a development of science and the scientific method of how you investigate things, the conspiratorial kind of people used that questioning of how the world worked i.e. it wasn't all God, to continue conspiracy theories, but making it sound a bit more sort of science if you like. So, yeah, there was a shift, there was a change, but science didn't get rid of conspiracy theories, um, not, not by any means, <laughs> uh, because really behind conspiracy theories are either strong political convictions or... Perhaps to put that a bit more loosely, it's to do with the way in which you see the world. And often, of course, that does include politics or political facets. Yes. And what's changed now in the 20th century is that it has now morphed somewhat because of all this communication, which has just exploded, of course, because of the internet. And so um, the ideas are sort of more generally known. But we'll we'll get to some of that uh, soon. So um, how about we just quickly go over three characteristics of conspiracy theories. So if you're 
on the net and you come across some theory or other and you think, I wonder if that's really true. If they have these characteristics, or even one of them, but certainly if they have all three, which they're kind of connected, so it's likely that they have, if they have one, they probably have all three, that can put your radar up there for, no, this could be a conspiracy theory. So the three are, one, a belief that nothing ever happens by accident. Um, so there's no coincidences. Um, there's just, no, it's it's all relevant. I've heard people. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I confer. <laughs> so number two is that um, nothing is as it seems. Because when you have a conspiracy theory, there'll be, although the theory itself may be, in a nutshell, quite simple, but when you get a conspiracy theorist to tell you, well, how did that work then? How did they do that? What's... It's all becomes terribly complicated or there'll be a, a several parts or at least one part where the uh, conspiracy theorist will say to you, well, and there the trail suddenly ended. <gasps> and, they, you know, you can't <laughs> find anything else. And so, well, yeah. Well, I see it just shows you they covered it up. Negative proof. Or Neg- lack, of, lack of proof. Well, it's negative proof, yeah. yeah. Explain that, they might say. say. Why did that happen? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nothing is as it seems. Uh, and finally, everything that is out there is all connected. Yeah. Um, so there's the, the, they draw this amazing complex web and, and, and sort of expect you as well to think that all the people that must have been involved in the conspiracy being now massive, that there would have been some people that would have divulged, you know, a lot of money and prestige and notoriety from putting your hand up. How about a piece of music? Okay, so this piece of music is Imogen Heap and Jeff Beck with Blanket. Emotionless this city life. Cruel it is, it clouds my eyes The dark, the dark Shades on my dear I live inside this place mm. I see only what I want to see I'll be only who I want to be My blanket covers me, yeah Black as a youth and man, I was Bobby Bob Breaking on the line of Shaded in my line of four a tie And a viral and I used to stand in line As I could sell my gyro Now my ends are meeting in the best way that I like got it And the beast that goes boom Music I consume to escape the doom and gloom. The peace and melodies keep realities at bay. But what happens when the wreck comes starts to fade away? Alone within myself again. I wanna go, wanna go, wanna go 
Unfortunately, these COVID conspiracy theories have really taken off. So in recent research that's been done, it's estimated, say, particularly in the United States, that a third of people studied believe COVID-19 is manufactured. It can vary a bit as to who you think is manufacturing, uh, but most North Americans, of course, think it's the Chinese. And some, though, think go with the other uh, possibility, which is the FBI or some government-run thing has done this deliberately. Oh, and by the way, Republicans in the US um, do believe in the manufacture of COVID-19 more than the Democrats, but there's no big surprise there. So, Lou, there's two um, parts that I'd like to touch on. So one is talking about the psychological makeup of people that follow conspiracy theories very deeply. And by the way, there's kind of three, I mean, there isn't just one person, one type of person, uh, and the way that they engage with it can be different too. Different so, reasons for So, for example, yeah. there's the ones that are heavily invested and actually make this stuff they're the propagators of the websites or the ideas and so on and they're often very political 
And then there's the consumers, but the consumers are like in two groups. There's the ones that are really into it, belong to different uh, blogs or uh, particular um, internet sites. And they also share on social media a lot of the information that they come across. Yes. So they're very actively involved. (laughs) And of course, then there's a whole group of people that they just dabble. So they might only believe in one conspiracy theory, just find it entertaining to see videos about why Beyonce and Katy Perry, amongst others, are members of the Illuminati. As unlikely as that sounds. There you are. If we're talking about the ones that are much more committed, and they're not using it as a form of entertainment, uh, why are they committed? So there's um, three basic areas that have been um, established by at least one researcher. So she says that there's the epistemic uh, position, which is a very fancy word. It is a very fancy word, and I don't know that one. So anyway, what it means... um, because I had to look it up. Uh, what it means... <laughs> so, yeah, what it means is that people have, particularly in times of strife, like COVID-19, have to have some kind of certainty in their lives. They'll, they'll go out and look for information. Sadly, they look in sort of all the wrong places, probably because their Google youtube feed and so on have got all those algorithms so that when you put in something you will just end up in your bubble of uh, weird ideas the second one is an existential um, feeling so that's that they've lost control somebody's lost control they don't feel secure they want to have a sense of autonomy before particularly as this applies to um, times of great stress The conspiracy theories um, do help with that because they give certainty. Whereas in the scientific world, as we've seen with COVID, uh, the information does change as the scientists do more and more research. After all, the virus has only been around for about eight months so far. And uh, that's a very short amount of time for scientists to really understand how it all works. So, of course, we keep getting updated, but that can make people who have this existentialist sort of need to feel very uncomfortable. They want certainty. And then there's, the finally, the social needs, which is to feel good about yourself and the organisations that you belong to and that you interact with one another as well and support one another um, rather than being told you're just One barking. of the crowd with the possibility of getting a normal virus you turn now, into a person of great importance that knows yeah. the truth in this very yes. small yeah, you're section of society yeah. yes. yes that's right yes so now i'm particularly interested for you to tell us a little bit about your relationship to conspiracy theories because you have a long history yes so I grew up in an alternative um, schooling environment and conspiracy theories were rife. I, For instance, when I had my first child, uh, the idea that vaccinations were very bad was circulating and I didn't vaccinate my first child. Um, but I have changed my mind and, and both my children are fully vaccinated now. And the reason was... Smallpox. If you've seen pictures of those people who have smallpox... So this is the reason you changed your mind? Yes. Okay. And the the fact is, 
that the World Health Organization has eradicated that disease from the world. And that's no small feat. That is huge. By vaccinations, I changed my mind. I, I realised that vaccinations serve a very important part in our society. Of course, it hasn't just been diseases, has it? You've been sort of inundated, really, from a young age with various conspiracies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there is one person that has um, a great desire to share all of her thoughts, and it can cause um, friction. Yeah. And we've had to ask that this person dial back, that the only thing that will come from this constant barrage is a distancing. I, I won't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not keen to try and change her mind because I don't think that I can. And I don't want her to try and change mine. Yes. And that seems like a good moment to listen to John Martin singing his song, I Don't Want to Know. us actually rather neatly to 
the final part of this broadcast where we just mention a bit about, well, how do you deal with someone who has a very firm beliefs in a wide variety of conspiracy theories? So when somebody's fully committed to it, it's very hard, if not... It's very hard futile. to try. Well, no, I don't know that it's futile, but it's very hard to uh, convince them otherwise. Yes. And in fact, you can have as many arguments as you like with most of them. And all you do is make them more uh, keen, more committed to their view of the world. So you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. There are still one or two things that you can do or better ways of coping with it. I think your idea about saying, no, we need to back off from this subject, I think that's quite quite good. But there's other things uh, you can do, which is taken from units that deal with the radicalisation of people into terrorism or even getting them out of a terrorist group. So... No point in arguing about it. Befriending them over a period of time has more success and gently uh, and slowly suggesting alternative views to the ones that they hold. Sometimes it's worked to appeal to their open-mindedness and scepticism. Even though I think actually they're closed-minded and don't have a grasp of how scepticism works. But nonetheless, they themselves will probably feel that they are very open-minded and and understand how all this sort of stuff works. And it's the rest of us that are closed-minded and don't understand. So it depends on your point of view here. Yes. But then the other thing that really has shown some promise is getting people like yourself that once believed this stuff but has now changed their mind and getting those people to talk to others who are are in a group or are beginning to get into a group um lou okay so we need to say goodbye lou oh right Well, I'll see you next time yeah. and have, li- have a lovely couple of weeks. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.